Welcome to the Everyday Discernment Podcast, a member of the Charisma Podcast Network and the Edify Podcast Network. This is episode three of season two. My first two episodes of this season were amazing, if you ask me. Corey Russell and Billy Humphrey were on, and they both host the Gripped Podcast, which I highly recommend. So hopefully you checked out both episodes, and I would love to hear your feedback. Just a reminder, you can get my book, Everyday Discernment, which this podcast is based on, on Amazon. There's a link in the show notes. I would love your support. My book came out last year, and there's a lot of practical wisdom in there on how to have discernment in our everyday life, which is a lot of the topics we talk about on this show. Also, don't forget, if you have an online ministry, if you're looking to start an online ministry, Ministry Funnels is a free five-day training that I created to help you start your journey or expand upon the vision that God has given you in your ministry. So go to ministryfunnels.net and sign up for the free training. There's also a private Facebook group, which people are communicating, asking questions. I can respond to them in there. So make sure you check that out. I would love to hear your feedback on the program as I might look to update it or improve upon it later on. And for this podcast, I have Morgan Snyder on the show. He has a book called Becoming a King. This book is mostly for men, but this podcast show will be both for men and women. So I hope that you get something out of it. And I hope that you also share it with anybody in your life that you think might enjoy it. Here we go. Welcome to the Everyday Discernment Podcast. This show is about you and your walk with Jesus as we grow in discernment together so that we can make better daily decisions that honor God in all we do. We will align all things against the Bible and give you practical steps to run your Christian race to win. And now your host, the discerning dad, Tim Ferrara. Welcome to the Everyday Discernment Podcast. I am here today with Morgan Snyder. He is a husband, an author, an entrepreneur, a teacher, writer, and speaker. His passion is to be both shaped by and shape the men and women who are shaping the kingdom of God. In 2010, he established Become Good Soil, which is a fellowship of leaders whose global reach offers guidance for the narrow road of becoming the kind of person whom God can confidently entrust the care of his kingdom. Morgan serves as the executive leadership team at Wild at Heart and lives with his wife of 20 years and his son and daughter. Morgan, welcome to the show. How are you? Hey, Tim. Um, I'm great. Thank you. Really honored to be in this space with you. And I get excited when I'm in the space with men and women who want more of God. They want to become everything that God meant when he meant them. So this is a privilege. It's an honor. And I'm excited to dive in with you. Yeah, me too. Uh, And I thought it was interesting too. You have a son and daughter. I have a son and daughter and your son is named uh, Joshua and mine is Josiah. And both our daughters are named Abigail. So I thought that was oh, fantastic. (laughs) And tell me their ages. Uh, 12 and seven. Wow. You're, you're in it right with me. You're in the throes. We're a little bit, a couple more years ahead. And, uh, couple more mistakes under our quiver here. <laughs> yeah. So, so cool. So uh, fill in the gaps for anyone listening, anything else you'd like to fill in on your, uh, your history, kind of how you got to this point, anything that, you know, wh- how you started as a Christian, kind of what your journey was like, just, I know there's a lot to cover, but just in kind of an overview. Yeah. I think one piece that might help our friends out there listening is um, I'm intense. I've always been. And that intensity for most of my young years was in the service of the self-life. It was in the service of the ego. My gifting was in service of a life without God. I had a pretty radical beginning of a conversion in college where I came to the end of my rope and I came into a confident relationship with God. But Tim, I think the biggest reality looking back some 25 years to that moment was though I came into confident trust in God 
it didn't heal and restore my heart as a man. So what I found was that I was a young man, but parts of me were still a boy. So mm-hmm. I was saved perhaps, but you know, Paul says that we are saved and being saved, that what I hadn't yet done was engage in a path and a process of masculine initiation. Mm-hmm. And so over the last 25 years, the story has been through experiential reality, being fathered as a son, being initiated as a man and increasing in wholeheartedness to become intact, to become a wholehearted man whose whole life is under God's care and into connection with God. And that's very different than salvation. And so I'm not there yet, but I'm different than I was 25 years ago. And so, so much of this work is about meeting with God today, that God comes and finds us where we are and leads us into more of us, more parts of us coming home to more of God. And that'll set you free and increase your joy. That's good. That's really good. And, uh, and I have found in my life too, that no matter how much you think you know about God, you really don't know much about him. And there's always a new level to experience with God, because as long as we're not God, which will be forever, there's always more that God will reveal to us if we have that hunger and that passion to seek after him. And if we get complacent and apathetic and like, oh yeah, I've read the Bible. I have salvation uh, tucked away in my pocket. Then we're going to miss out on the fullness and the freedom we have in Christ when he reveals those new levels to us. And he he draws us to himself and he, he sometimes hides so that he can be found. And so that's such a good uh, example to us that just, just never give up. And when you think you're, uh, when you start to get complacent and you feel like you have it all together, you really need to check your heart and make sure that you know that we constantly, and that doesn't matter if you're eight, eight years old or 80 years old, constantly pursuing Jesus. Yeah. I, I was walking to work this morning. Uh, my son's car is in the shop. So he snagged my truck and it was an awesome opportunity to just be immersed in real things. So I've got about a 12 minute walk to work. And by way of example, I was just swept up, Tim, in just the wonder of God. Like it snowed last night. We talked about before the show, there's no such thing as spring in Colorado. It's a tug of war every day between winter and summer and winter won last night and summer's now winning today. (laughs) It was this new frontier. There's always more. And this morning, it was simply to receive the lavish generosity of God, to bask in creation and to let go a lot of heavy things that I was carrying. And so there's always more. And that's what we're diving into today. So thanks for having me. This is exciting. Absolutely. So we're going to do a couple of quick icebreakers to get to, know, get to know you a little bit. And I'm excited about this one because you talk about movies a lot in your book. And uh, I'm curious what your, if you could just say a favorite movie or top three, what, what would it be? Oh, there's many there. But if I had to choose one, it would, of course, be Dances with Wolves. Mm. I love the story of a passionate young man who goes through a process of initiation. And the whole film is about putting to death the false man, the self-centered, self-fueled person, and become his true name to go from John Dunbar to Dances with Wolves and become the kind of powerful warrior that can be entrusted with God's strength on behalf of others. Mm. And if I could choose any time to live in human history, I would surely be a Native American on the plains of the West. Wow. That's exciting. How about if you could meet anyone alive or dead, who would you meet? Oh, if I could meet anyone alive or dead, it would be Dallas Willard, 
in the restoration of all things. He's the first person I want to share a campfire with, mm. a philosophy professor, USC, passionate lover of God, shepherd of God's people. I would say, Tim, of all the people I've ever encountered in person or in books, he was probably the least surprised when he stepped into the kingdom of God. He finally <laughs> went home a couple of years ago, and I think he might have said, I knew it. Mm. I want to spend some time with him. Yeah. It's exciting to have that hope, first of all, just to know that, you know, death is not the end and that's our eternal hope we have as Christians. So that's, that's cool. What about a, a author you'd recommend or, or a specific book that you would like to share? Um, there's so many. I immerse myself in books. I'm a voracious reader. And in this day and age, one of the beautiful things about a real book is it slows us down mm-hmm. to the speed of soul. But if I had to pick one today, uh, what would be on my heart is Walt Harrington's everlasting stream, Mm. a beautiful story of masculine initiation. He marries a woman whose whole family, uh, he's a white guy that spent his career climbing the ladder in Washington, DC as a journalist and entertained meals with presidents and took a professional route. He married an African-American woman who comes from the very poor Kentucky. And so he spent his Thanksgiving's rabbit hunting Mm. with a bunch of poor black guys. And at first he was disgusted by the experience of this gruesome thing of old clothes and chasing rabbits. And (laughs) over 20 years, he found incredible esteem for these uneducated men. They had joy, they had friendship, they had camaraderie, and he received something through them that is really the substance of God as father and masculine initiation, things are not what they appear to be. And he becomes the kind of man that can father his son through things that he didn't receive. And so it's a beautiful, joyful, whimsical, curious book on masculine initiation, Walt Harrington and Everlasting Stream. That's great. That's why I love asking the question because there's always books that come up I've never heard of that sound so cool like that one. So thank you for that. What hobbies do you have? What do you like to do in your free time? Oh, um, my passion is the initiation of my kids into wholehearted maturity. I think that's what I think about most of the time. And the context I love to do that is in wilderness and adventure. Mm. I grew up a suburban kid in Pennsylvania and not much experience working with my hands and being in the field. But a central theme of my initiation was being led west and allowing contacts like bow hunting on mm. public land to be the place where God helped heal and recover my heart as a man. Mm. So any moment I get, and now in this season, guiding my children, my daughter has her first turkey uh, license for a bow hunt nice. this week. Wow! Um, it's guiding my children and other young people through wilderness And particularly with bow and arrow in hand, it puts me in a place where I'm not in control, where I am exposed, where I need to rely on things beyond my strength and where I chase a lot of great stories. (laughs) That's interesting because I talked to another guest on this show who likes to bow hunt. His name is John Eldridge. You might've heard of him. But um, he is about four feet away from me <laughs> on the other side of the wall at the moment. And he's been a dear brother for about yeah. 22 years. We learned together. 
yeah, you had a lot of great stories about him in your book. So, and I just, I, you could feel the, the relationship you have and, and how much he's meant to you. And so that, that came through in the book and he wrote the forward to it. And it's, it's such a great book. So we're going to talk about that more becoming a King. That's the book. I haven't mentioned it yet, but, um, before we get into that, I ask all my guests the time when they had the sermon in their life. And I used to ask two questions, but now I've just kind of combined it into one for season two. So a time when discernment came up in your life. So you had to make a decision and what that looked like, how, how your process was and finding out uh, what God, where God was leading you. And then and maybe it was a great decision. Maybe it was a poor decision, which you learned from, but just if you could walk us through a, a time in your life when you had to make a decision like that. Yeah, I was praying about that. And I think the most helpful kind of on-ramp for discernment would be this morning. So mm. my son, 16, and we're in the COVID world. The consequences, sports have been really entangled. And now he's got three overlapping sports. And we are kind of a one-activity family, less is more. And here we are with varsity lacrosse, varsity football, and traveling across. Mm-hmm. And we're, we're in the world, right? We're in the, the kind of the culture. And like St. Francis said, however, we, we must wear the world like a loose fitting garment where it touches us in a few places in therein very lightly. Mm-hmm. Well, it's sticky. The garment's <laughs> wet. We are icky with the world. And yet my son loves sports. He's passionate. He's gifted. So we've got three sports layer on top of each other. And we're a family that values given a hundred percent to the few things we do and do them well. And so now we're trying to discern this may be Joshua's only chance at a high school lacrosse season. It is his only chance at a traveling team and we want to walk with God. And so we're praying about this. And what I'm aware of in the discernment is he has an agenda. He's 16 and and his tendency is to think more short-term than long-term. I have an agenda, much of which, Tim, is unconscious. It's subconscious. Mm-hmm. I, I, I am not a proponent of organized sports because of my story. Sure. I have a bias. I have a bias of less activity is better. I have a bias that I don't want my son to miss out. And so what I'm aware of is when I come to that decision, I want to pray about it but I actually have to consecrate my motives. Mm. I have to consecrate my bias, my agenda, and I want wisdom and revelation. So Acts talks about these two categories. Wisdom says to not bury ourselves in good things. And, And so it's important to operate in wisdom's long view in experiences that we, they have helped shape our discernment. And then there's revelation where we have to hear God's heart on the matter. And so I'm aware right now, the most difficult element of my discernment is my bias Mm. and the agenda that I have. And so walking to work this morning, I had to crucify my agenda and say, God is authoring the initiation of my son. It's on God, not me. It's up to God, not me. And so therefore, Tim, what's so helpful is I get to say, okay, God, you are authoring and you're inviting me to participate. And so how do I participate with God's initiation of my son? Am I open to hearing from God? Yes, I want you to do all three or no, I want you to only do this and that. And also it's not just the outcome, it's the process. Mm. And so what do I learn as a man? What does my son learn in his initiation through the decision-making? And so 
It's this morning's discernment. We don't have an outcome, but I can tell you it's been a beautiful process because we're all growing and whatever the outcome, the fruit is deeper intimacy with God, deeper orientation to the larger story at which all of these smaller stories find their meeting. And so I'm midstream. And the example is this is this is live ammo and it's always frontier. Yeah, that's so good. You laid out the entire discernment process beautifully. And that's so such a good reminder too for me is that when we enter a situation where we need discernment, we don't come in just expecting a certain answer and waiting until we get that answer. Because if you wait or if you just rush into it, you can find peace about an answer if you don't find peace of God. What I mean by that is that if I come into a situation and there's a job I want, right? And uh, I want it, I'm going to ask God for confirmation, but I don't open to the, I am not open to the idea I might not, God might not want that job for me. Then I'm going to have that bias that you're talking about so that I only hear my side of things and not God's side of things. And then it's, it's that confirmation bias where, you know, yeah, God wants me to take the job, but I never actually sought him. I never left the door open for another option. And so that's so important when we have discernment. And the other part I thought about too, is, you know, you, I've heard the analogy of, you know, we have a plate like a dinner plate, but you know, there's only so much you can pile on it before it gets out of control and starts falling off. And as families, especially with kids with young ages, we can start to pile things on that plate that seem good in and of themselves, but you have to look at the entire plate, the entire picture. And when things start to steal your joy, steal your time with your wife, steal time with God, steal time, quality time with your kids, when you're just doing to do and you end up the week where you're just stressed and you don't know why you're stressed and you have no time for the things that you say are important to you, that's when you have to analyze your plate and say, okay, we're doing a lot of quote, good things for our kids, but do our kids even want to do them? Do I, am I just doing it? Am I projecting the fact that I want my kid to be in sports, but they don't like sports? Uh, Do you know, in all these things we have to do as parents to make sure that we're nurturing our kids. We're giving them the best opportunities we can, which as parents we want to do, but at the same time, God knows our kids better than we do. And we have to die to the fact that, yeah, they're not just my kids. God loves them more than I do, which seems impossible as a parent. But when you start to give yourself to the fact that God uh, knows all, sees all, has the best wisdom and discernment for our family, then we can become better fathers and mothers in the process. What's incredibly freeing, Tim, it actually releases pressure because we take on this unspoken pressure of it's up to us. And that pressure causes us to actually not see clearly. Mm. You know, it's been said that we see things not as they are, but as we are. We all have a a skewed lens, a plank in our eye. And so What's so helpful is when we pause and say, God, you are, you are at the center of all things. You are orchestrating the initiation of our children. We are being led by a loving father. Mm -hmm. And so how might we respond? How might we tune in? And what's so important in the discernment process is we fail often to ask the second question right? Like you said, we come to God with these very loaded questions. God, should I take this job or not? And we're seeking an answer. God's seeking relationship. He's seeking Mm -hmm. maturity. He's seeking initiation. And so we have to ask the second question. So it may be, what's the motive, right? What is it that I want? Oh, I really want more money. Mm -hmm. Okay. What's behind the money? Well, 
I am love. I feel loved when I'm financially secure. Mm. Okay. Now we're getting the goal. (laughs) Okay. So why is there fear around financial lack and where did scarcity define your story? Oh, now we're in, in the, in the gold. Now, as we discern that invite Jesus to heal that part, we come to the job and we see clearly and we go, I actually don't want that job. That actually wouldn't serve my family. That actually is not in line with this season. And I'm going to let it go by faith. So it's an example of ask the second question, always get to what's below the question. That's very good. This podcast is part of the Edify Podcast Network. Edify is a faith-inspiring app that brings together thousands of the best Christian podcasts in one place for your listening enjoyment. Cut through the noise and grow your faith by diving into the world's top Christian podcasts today. Download the Edify app for free from the App Store or Google Play or by going to edify.app. That's E-D-I-F-I dot app. So in your book, Becoming a King, you talk to men specifically about finding the ancient path, uh, Jeremiah 6.16, and to realize their journey is, is not over in finding a loving father. Some may not have had a father. Some may have had a bad relationship with the father. And so why is it important to, to know, as men specifically, which is what your book is targeted to, is, is why is it important to know what path we're on and also to be in a place of humility where kind of what we said before, where we realize we don't have all the answers. We come from a place of, of just seeking the heart of our father. And this might be a hard connection for men that, like I said, have not had a father, don't know what that relationship looks like. And if you don't have that with your heavenly father or with an earthly father, it's hard to be a good father. Would you agree? Yeah, there's a lot in what you just shared, but I think fundamentally we offer who we've become. Mm-hmm. I actually think that's the golden secret of parenting. Yeah. We will offer out of the person we've become. You know, so many people come to me and say, How do I initiate my 12 year old son? What do I do with my 13 year old daughter? And rooted in that is often fear. Yeah. And below the fear is simply this idea of how do I offer what I don't have myself? I've never had a man in 25 years come to me and say, I have grown and become this sort of person. How do I bring that person to my children? How mm-hmm. do I offer that? You know, it's, it's intuitive. And so here's what I would invite our listeners to consider. These questions that excavate the masculine soul and the feminine soul, they're, they're universal questions, but they express themselves in very gender specific ways. Yeah. But in this particular way, to the heart of a man to ask the question, where do you feel behind? Where do you feel like life is up to you? You Mm. need to make it happen. Like just stop there. Yeah. Maybe one more to get even deeper. What's not working. And so if our listeners just take those questions, what's not working, where do you feel behind? Where do you feel like life is up to you? My hunch is if you're like 99% of men, you can come up with a pretty extensive list that becomes confessional. God, I confess, I feel behind in my fitness. I feel behind in my marriage. I feel behind in my um, finances. You name it, right? Those symptoms, if we could slow down and excavate, will reveal a condition of fatherlessness 
in the soul of every man. And here's what's so important is we all had fathers that were entrusted with certain portions of God's heart as a father to us. And some failed tremendously. Some failed small ways through omission, but all of us have an enemy that wants to mar, destroy, kill our experience of God as father. It's a very particular and personal strategy to take us out. And so, so much of the Christian experience for masculine initiation is to unlearn father in ways we've learned him wrong. Mm -hmm. McDonald says it's better to have not known God as father than to have learned him wrong. And Mm -hmm. so you have to set aside your kind of theological creedal statements and get to the core reaction. What happens when things don't go well? Yeah. What comes up? And as we invite God to heal the unfathered places in us, then shame is diminished. And in that place, we we experience self-worth and fear diminishes and we experience courage. And we end up tapping ourselves into this, this um, indestructible source of God as father, his energy, his power, his provision, his abundance, his courage. And we find that we're not on our own and it frees us from our own little sociodrama and the small story that is our life. And it roots us back into God's larger story of who he is and what he's doing and how we participate with him in that mission. Yeah, that's really good because, you know, it's one of those things that that no one, I I don't care if you had a great father, no father's perfect. And so a lot of times we point, we look at the, the bad parts of that and then we project that on ourselves or we, 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 and I, I think of my, myself too, like I had a great father but there's, there's parts that were not perfect, like any father. And so you end up focusing on those instead of, okay. And then when you become a father, you realize like, okay, I don't have it all together. And I, I thought my father should have it all together. And you, you have some kind of uh, a, a better gauge on, on just the earthly nature that we're in. We're yes. all going to fail. We're all going to fall short of the glory of God, but only God is perfect. And that should be our focus, not to try to be like, our earthly father. I mean, sure. Do the, do the good things. Like we, we learn, we have that, 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 that history, but at the same time, focus on, on our heavenly father. And that's, that's the focus of, of this second season of this podcast is how do we keep our eyes on Jesus? Because if our eyes are on Jesus every day, we won't have our eyes on ourselves or on this world or on the news or on social media. And all those things may come, you know, in our view, but we can quickly, you know, push them away and focus again on Jesus because he's our main focus. And so, you know, you talk about this too, in, in the process of becoming good soil, which is the name of your ministry and that we need to value wisdom over just progress. You know, we, we don't want to progress so much that we forget once again, those ancient paths, the the wisdom of the Bible that we, we don't want to get to a point where we just try to figure it out in our own in our own wisdom, which is, which is, which is really not wisdom if, if we do it all ourselves, uh, And so there's so many sources, even besides the Bible, we can get the sermon and godly relationships and mentors. And, and so I, what, what practical steps just on a day-to-day basis, men that are, you know, up to their eyeballs in their job and their family and the, the stress, and they, they have no time to, uh, they can barely find five, five minutes with God, you know, and I've been there too. You just, you just do and do and do, and you go and you go and you give and you don't get filled up. And so what would you say just for maybe someone who's, who's spinning out of control, who doesn't have that, that time to reflect, 
how can they take the, the few minutes they have every day and use it as a time to fill up and keep their eyes on Jesus, regardless of what's happening around them? Yeah, Tim, you know, the Father is so kind and so intentional to meet us where we are. It's so beautiful. He, he knows us better than ourselves. What I often say is the Holy Spirit knows who we are and have yet to become. And so the, the Holy Spirit's always is drawing us out and beckoning us. Yeah. I remember there were some young whippersnappers that were interviewing Dallas Willard, who was an ancient sage, right? <laughs> and they said, we don't have time. Like, how do you find time to practice a life in God? We've got young kids, right? When somebody has three car seats, <laughs> I just want to get on my knees and say, God bless you. Yeah. Sorry, soul. You are in a season, right? right? So these whippersnappers asked Dallas, they said, how do we find time? We don't have no time. In Dallas, in his beautiful, fatherly, winsome way, he said, well, you're going to need to choose to take some time to find out why it is that you have no time. Mm. That's good. Like there's no shortcut in masculine initiation. In this world, Tim, we are saturated in shortcut. I now can order Chipotle for a lunch delivered to my door for $1. And I get a beautiful custom burrito. It's just diabolical to the soul to think that I can experience food in that way. Like, Somebody had to raise the chicken. Somebody had to kill the chicken, clean the chicken, cook the chicken, de-pluck the chicken, debone the chicken, right. make a burrito, and it just shows up at my door for a buck. Like we live in an instant world, and it's actually unhelpful to the masculine soul. And yeah. so the question back to our listeners from your question is: what is your on-ramp? What is the opportunity today? What is in your power today to make you accessible? to the supernatural life of God that's not in your power to control. So for example, my son's car's in the shop and he has an old Toyota Highlander that he, he made enough money doing landscaping during the first quarantine mm. to buy a car before he turned 16. And so it always needs some work and the air the, the AC compressor, we believe went out and we diagnosed it. And I didn't grow up on cars, but YouTube is a place of initiation. So we watched yeah. a bunch of videos and went through every possible thing we could fix. It's above our pay grade. <laughs> and so what's so beautiful in masculine initiation is that's not a place of weakness. It used to be a place of fear and weakness for me. And now it's a place of strength where I get to say, son, we've never done this before. I am one small step in front of my son in my masculine initiation, but we dove into the car. We got messy. We tried to figure it out and we, we, we reached our limit. And so we went to our local shop, our buddy, Mike, who's been in business for 50 years in the wow. same shop and he's fathering us through it. So I dropped it off this morning. We'll spend some time with him in the shop. And then being a, a short, a car, I had the invitation to walk to work today, which I usually don't do. I'm, I'm a breath away from work, but convenience and efficiency keeps me from choosing it. Right. And so today my on-ramp was don't give way to shame that you can't fix this car, hmm. lean into an older man, make it about process of initiation, choose to walk to work rather than be efficient 
breathe in God's life and capture back that 12 minutes, which allowed me to be even more rooted in God for this podcast recording, because what I want to be is a conduit of the life of God. And so there is always an on-ramp. The question is, Holy Spirit, shine your life. What is available today? Mm. It often happens in two degree shifts, a 1% adjustment in our everyday life with yeah. God. That's good. And it's, it's really about looking for those opportunities. And I, I, I say, you know, have a schedule. If you have a set time of the day, when you read the Bible and pray, that's great. I think that's needed, but don't limit yourself to just that time because maybe it's in the morning and then you have a horrible morning after that at work and you need a lunch break just to decompress and reflect on God. Maybe you need to do that on the way home before you get home to your wife and kids. And you know, you have anger building up in yourself and you need that time just to keep your eyes on Jesus in the car before you walk in the door. You know, maybe it's, uh, before you, uh, at nighttime, you know, you have to understand yourself. And there's no one thing we can tell you that you have to do this every day. And that's how you stay close to Jesus, because we all have a personal walk with him and he will reveal things to us individually. That is not going to be the same for everybody. And God's the same. God is consistent and God does not change, but his process, how he relates to us will change and will be a response to how we let him, because we can be, we can be stubborn. We can be set in our ways. We can just kind of figure it out on our own without truly hearing the heart of our Father. Are you looking to start or grow your online ministry? Are you a pastor who would like to expand your reach with the message God has given you? Sign up for my free five-day training to Ministry Funnels. Go to ministryfunnels.net. I share with you my knowledge from multiple years in online ministry so that you can grow or start your ministry without the confusion of where to start. These are things I wish I knew when I started, and I want to help you grow because when ministries grow and spread the gospel, the kingdom of God advances forward. Go to ministryfunnels.net today and sign up. Yeah. So Tim, back to you. I'd be really curious for our listeners. You know, they trust you and have walked with you. Like what's an example of some practice that more recently you found as a way to just get back to God in your everyday life and stay rooted and established in him? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question too, because I've been in the, you know, a couple of years ago, I would do my devotions at the end of the day and right in, in, in bed, I would read the Bible as I'm dozing off. And I, I realized really quickly that was not giving God my best. That was, that was just kind of scraping, scraping together the, the little time I felt I had. And so when I, when I changed it to the mornings, when I got up earlier than I wanted to in my, in my flesh, when I started journaling and writing down my thoughts and what God was revealing to me, and, and when, I, when I left open like my lunch break or when I left open parts of the day where I could just go before God and pray, when I, when I, left, when I started fasting one day a week, um, all these steps and, and it wasn't just one step. It was, right. it was the, the culmination of a bunch of these things, which I'm still growing in. And I haven't found the, the perfect routine because I feel as God changes, we need to change along with him. And even though like, and when I say God changing, God revealing himself in new ways to us, not God himself changing because God never changes, like I said before, but you know, uh, being open to changing the process, it might be comfortable. And so that's how kind of, I, I mixed it up and that's why I felt too, when I wrote my devotional eyes on Jesus, it's, 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 it is 
keeping our eyes on Jesus is how we have discernment. You cannot make great decisions, godly decisions that honor God. If you don't keep your eyes on Jesus, because then your eyes are on your problems, your eyes are on, you know, yourself and your short-term pain to try to (laughs) try to mask it. But if our eyes are on Jesus, that's truly how we find the freedom. Yeah. I really appreciate that. What I hear you saying is it's conversational. It's real time. It's dynamic. It's a space of practice over perfection. You know, it's a place of kind of direction over destination. And I, what I hear and appreciate in you, Tim is like, there's a posture of student. There's a posture of curiosity of what's going on in your soul. What's working, what's not working. And you're looking at the fruit and saying, I want more. So well done way to go. Yeah. Thank you. So I want to talk about marriage real quick. When it, when it, when it comes to valuing marriage, when men become the Kings in their life, which is, which is your book, becoming a King and this journey to, to what that means, uh, which people just have to read the book. It's so good to, to understand that whole process that we can't cover in this podcast. But uh, what would you say to the women listening on how to encourage their men to be who God called them to be? And all men are slightly different. So this might be just a generalized approach, but just some practical steps on encouraging, um, obviously give them a copy of the book, uh, would be what I would recommend, but from, from your perspective, what are some, some practical ways for the women listening who say, I want my man to be that way without nagging him into it, without just expecting it overnight and understanding it's a process for both men and women to reclaim who God called them to be in their identity in Christ. How can we be patient with each other? How can we encourage each other as, as spouses who are on this journey together? Oh, Tim, in what you just said, I love it. Your first words were, let's talk about marriage quick. And that stopped me in my tracks. There's <laughs> nothing quick yeah. about marriage, right? It's a beautiful mess. You know, as I unpack and becoming a king, it's the one place we can't hide. Mm. We, we, we can pull off hiding, dodging, ducking, operating out of ego, mixed motives about everywhere else. But, you know, Mike Mason says, she's like an oak tree in our living room. (laughs) She's always there. Yeah. And to navigate any other way around her, she must be considered. You know, it's not like an NFL game where you can throw a flag and you can blow a whistle and stop the play. Like it's real time. Yeah. I think for our female listeners, first, I want to say he's in there. There's a good hearted man who longs to be strong and true and alive and bring a genuine strength on behalf of you and others. But there's a story and we have to become students of each other's stories. What is your husband's story? What is your wife's story? What shaped them out of their family of origin? Where Are there parts of them that though they may be 30 years old or 40 years old, there's still an eight-year-old boy inside. Mm. And one of the most helpful questions just in your spirit, when you're interacting with your spouse and things are going totally sideways is to say, Holy spirit, what age is the person I'm talking to right now? Mm. It's not an indictment. It's actually a loving curiosity. You know, there's a big part of my heart that when my son turned 15, I was really struggling and I didn't understand why it took me about six months to realize there were some deep wounds and trauma in the 15 year old part of my soul Mm -hmm. that I wasn't aware of. 
And him actually doing pretty well was eliciting this reaction in me that I realized I needed to invite Christ to heal the 15-year-old uninitiated boy and recover some piece of initiation. And so on the surface, I just looked sideways and I looked frustrated and fearful and selfish, but inside it was actually a part of my soul that needed to be healed. And so I would just say a very practical on-ramp, you know, the the, the mission and message of becoming a king encapsulates 20 years of discipleship. And I put together a video series and a study guide that's a slow and steady work of engaging. And for our listeners, especially women that really wanted to courageously explore the heart of the men in their world, I would invite them to watch the video series and even watch it like, for example, with their older sons or with a spouse, sit down and watch it six 20 minute videos that are a beautiful on-ramp to say to the man in your world, help me understand you. Like what makes you come alive? What does this video elicit in Mm -hmm. you? And it's a way to get to the geography of soul. And it's a beautiful on-ramp and it's the Becoming a King video series, but it would be such a winsome way to move towards him with curiosity. And what ends up being cultivated is mutual compassion, mutual understanding. Compassion begets compassion. Empathy begets empathy. And, And God willing, his response will be over time. And how about you? How about you? Let's enter your heart as a woman to know and to be known. And that'd be a really brave invitation and activity. That sounds really good. And to take that time up front will eliminate a lot of problems later on when it seems like it's about the dishes or about the trash. It's really not. There's a deeper issue at play. And if you're not connecting, if you're not spending that time together to understand each other's heart, then it will project itself in ways that you end up thinking, I don't know this person anymore. They're only focused on this instead of me. And so there's such and even when we have, when you have younger kids, like, like we do. And like you said, when you have the three car seats, it's really hard to engage with your spouse when it's all about the kids. And, and there's a season for focusing on them, but you don't want to get to the point where you become strangers with the person you committed to for the rest of your life. And it, comes through once again, as we walk through our, our journey with God, the, the little, the small things, the times to understand his heart, we have to understand the heart of our spouse. And that that's hard. That it's, it's hard when you, when you're with the kids all day and you just want to curl up in a ball and watch a movie and, and, you know, eliminate yourself from the, the world, including your spouse. That's when we have to kind of stop and say, okay, no, the, this is my helpmate. This is someone that's on this journey with me. This is someone that even if I don't feel like it in the moment, I have to do what I know is right. You know, how many times do we know that praying and reading the Bible is right, but we don't feel like doing it, but we still have to make that effort. So even if it's hard at first, even if it is, is, is hard to stir up those emotions and those things of your past, do it because you know, logically that it is what is needed. And and in all of that, Tim, the beauty of it is in Christian life is we are being led We are being led by a person. God isn't an idea. He's not an equation. He's not a set of beliefs. He is a person that thinks and laughs and feels. He's a father that's perfectly capable of saving and restoring the world that he created. 
And he benevolently invites us to be a part of that work, which is extraordinary. But there's always an on-ramp. We're getting a dog. (laughs) We're getting a dog in a couple weeks. All right. And it has been a place of huge contention in our family. And I actually feel a little like worked (laughs) up when I even say it because it's the last thing that I want. And if you knew my story, it would make sense. Mm. And I spent a lot of time in wilderness. We travel in an immense amount. It's not efficient. It's not strategic. It's not practical. And it's on time. And so it's a perfect example of, it's not about a dog. It's about spiritually, what is God doing? What is God doing for my daughter's heart? Mm. What is God doing for my wife that for the first time with a 14 and a 16 year old, for the first time in 16 years, she actually has a little bit of white space in her life. She has a quiet home in some moments of her day. Yeah. She's on time for caregiving and, and organizing the responsibility of it. What's God up to in my heart to crucify my own agenda mm. and my commitment to an organized house, my commitment to less um, mess in the stables, we'll yeah. call it Proverbs 14, four, right? When the <laughs> oxen are present, the manger is filled with crap, but mm. from the strength of an o- yeah, ox yields a harvest. Yeah. God is up to things in our soul. And right now it has a lot to do with a dog, but we're getting curious. We're taking risks. We're pushing in. We're not trying to nail it. We're trying to participate with God real time in the restoration of our hearts. And that's the whole mission of becoming a king is how do we recover our hearts through a path and a process to become the kind of wholehearted men and women who can be entrusted with more and more care of God's kingdom. And that's what God's up to. And there's always an on-ramp. It's a dog for me. What is it for you? (laughs) Right. That's so good. I love that. And uh, just an example that we can apply to our life on being open to what God has for us and and not just ruling with an iron fist when it comes to being a parent or when it comes to having our schedule the way we like it, the way we've always had it for 20 years. What is God saying to you as as we end this? So that's that's awesome. So definitely get the book of whoever's listening, Becoming a King, if you want to let everyone know where they can connect with you and uh, some of those resources you mentioned. Yeah, it's my passion. It's been for decades now to walk with people who are the like-hearted. I want to reach the many to find the few. And I'm after the few that want their whole heart back, that want to become apprentices of God and his kingdom. And so that whole kind of body of content, podcasts, blogs can all be found at becomegoodsoil.com. And the video series I mentioned, the study guide, that's just a slow and steady process of walking with a person over time and many more resources that can all be found at becomingaking.com. Great. I'll put that in the show notes. Thank you, Morgan, for coming on. God bless you, your ministry and your family. Yeah. Really proud of the work you're doing, Tim. Let's keep going. Yeah, let's do it. That's going to do it for today. Thanks so much for joining me. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a five-star review on your platform of choice and share it with a friend. There's also a Facebook group I have called the Everyday Discernment Podcast Community that you can join. You can comment about these episodes. You can also learn exclusive content, things that are upcoming about this podcast that I only share with people in that group. As always, check out the show notes for links to connect with my guests, as well as things that I am working on as well. 
And for next week, we have Daniel Fusco on the podcast. He is a pastor and he has a new book called Crazy Happy. And we're going to have a great conversation next week. So until then, go with God, grow in discernment, and keep your eyes on Jesus. Thank you for listening to the Everyday Discernment Podcast. For more information on Discerning Dad, go to discerning-dad.com. Be sure to follow on all the social media platforms. Just search for Discerning Dad. Please share this podcast with a friend and leave an honest review on whichever platform you listen. Feel free to send any comments, suggestions, questions, or prayer requests at discerningdad at outlook.com. Until next time. Keep fighting the good fight.